0: Let me pray, Father. Thank you for uh, this Lord's day, and um, obviously, uh, I've made a, a gaffe and, and uh, not come prepared, realizing that the, the notes didn't sync up, Lord. And so we we do pray for for help, and and I ask Lord that you would um, grant us mercy this morning as we um, as we consider. Um, the body, consider this uh, physical world in which we live, and I pray that our conversation today and in the weeks to come would continue to help us to avoid burnout and um, uh, and to to build healthy habits in our lives that we might serve you with all of our uh, being, and that we might Um, love you with all of our being that we might love and serve our neighbors love loving each other as uh, ourselves and so we uh, look to you now and it's in jesus name i pray amen well i do know the way that i begin each class at least is uh to refer us once again to acts 20 24 and uh and hebrews 12 1 and 2 so Acts twenty twenty four says, "But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God." And so, once again, we are here to uh, to reset, to reorient our minds, our hearts, and our wills toward this endeavor, right? Toward discipleship, toward this call to um, realize, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 6 in a a bit, and there's a, a similar theme here in Paul, that my life, to include my body, is not my own. And to begin from that point of view, to begin from that perspective is is crucial. Um, because if I enter into uh, my weekly schedule, if I wake up Sunday morning thinking about the week ahead and I have the assumption that my body, my life, is mine to use, to sculpt, and to shape and form according to my own designs, according to my own will, according to... Uh, you know, for my own glory, then that's going to lead to one way of living. And yet, if I realize that my, my life isn't my own, it needs to be shaped and formed and sculpted and, and crafted after uh, God's will, then that's going to lead to another way of living. And so, and in the end, you know, for Paul, in short, it was testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. Um, so our lives should do that. Um, And lives that are spent swirling out of control because we we don't know how to have self-control, because we don't know how to respond rightly to difficult circumstances, Um, they don't testify much to the gospel of the grace of God. And so, that's what we're, we're doing here. And then, obviously, again, a similar... Similar word from, from Hebrews 6. Uh, Why did I say 6? 1 Corinthians 6 is where we're going later. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Um, Sorry, near emergency, I thought. Um, uh, running the, with race, uh, run, let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking at Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so again, we are called to run, to run with endurance, to realize that it's not just this week, it's not just this month. It's not just this year, but it's next year. It's the year after that. It's, it, you know, it, for for many of us, it's it's you know, decades, decades left. I mean, I mean, even if we we only live, you know, whatever 70, 80, 90 years um, in this life. I mean, that's in some sense compared to history, a small amount of time. But for us. It's in some ways not, and it seems perhaps small, you know, a shorter amount of time if the older that you get, but at some level we have to realize that um, right, it isn't just what happens to me in my life in these 80 years. It's what about my children, my grandchildren, what about my my community uh, and, and the world. So, so one of the things that I do now is we're, we're sort of shifting, you know, last week, we've been shifting in theology of, of the body. We want to, as we think about burnout, there's, our, our physical selves need to be cared for, need to be, um, remember that we are not just um, spiritual beings. And um, uh, And so last week, we talked about sleep. Um, question to anybody. Think about sleep any differently this week? Did anybody get any better sleep? Did anybody did a little bit? Um, yeah, I hope so. And I hope that, uh, uh, obviously, uh, you know, if, you've, if you got sick after Sunday, then maybe you slept a whole lot worse or whatever. But, um, you know, we, we, we need sleep. And, you know, the way we ended last week was just saying, in, in some way, short, that sleep points us toward, toward heaven um, as we remember the, the greater rest that awaits People of God. Well, today, um, I want to look at First Corinthians six for a bit, and uh, and try to draw some principles out of this, um, as it pertains to the body. And as we begin, uh, we're not going to really get there today, um, but to think about. Um, sort of the relationship, I suppose you could say, between work and play. Um, So, starting in verse 12, let me read all the way through verse um, 20. He says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, god you are not your own for you were bought with a price so glorify god in your body so um what are our bodies for who are our bodies for Yeah, Jesus, right? Um, We do not live in a time, both, I think, in the secular world and in the Christian world, that really grasp and understands that, right? I don't think that most people, most people on the street interview, realize the importance, the significance... Of the body, right? Um, and so we see this in in verse um, thirteen, yeah, verse really verse thirteen, right? Food is meant for the stomach; stomach meant for food. You see these quotes here. Anybody know what these quotes are in uh, in this passage, Carl? Yeah, so um, throughout this letter, it maybe even beginning here, I think, is, is where it starts. Kind of here forward, what you see is Paul offers these, um, these various statements that seem, that the, the, the understanding is that many of them are likely have come from, he's writing these letters back and forth, you know, with the Corinthians. They had written him something, and he's saying, Okay, so remember when you said, all things are lawful for me. Remember that? He says, but not all things are helpful. Just because uh, they're, you know, and they're in some say taking it, you know, a bit a step further, but just because there is freedom in Christ doesn't mean that every possible thing that you technically could do and not be sinning by its very nature, maybe it isn't helpful for you. And then he quotes him again. He says, but not, you know, I won't be dominated by anything. And then he quotes and again. Food is meant... For the stomach and stomach for food. And he says, Yeah, but God's going to destroy both one and the other in the sense that if, if the body is nothing more than this machine um, that transports the, the, the important stuff about us, um, then you shouldn't, you don't have hope um, for, for anything. Creation, um, you know, life under the sun is, is fairly meaningless. And he says, The body is not meant for sexual morality. Right, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. What does that mean? What do you mean, the Lord is the body is meant for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body? Seems like a weird thing to say. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, God made the body, and and is is and ultimately is is intent on communing with, dwelling with embodied people. Um, and so, um, in this too, we realize we do live in a fallen world, right? There is a a destruction of some kind coming. There is sexual immorality that exists. And so we live in a fallen world, and so our bodies are Often broken. Physical existence is often difficult and challenging. And so it's, it's easy to chalk it up to, uh, you know, just, well, I'm, I'm just going to try to pretend like it doesn't matter. I'm just going to focus on the, the spiritual. Spiritual yeah for sure i I mean I think that the the New Testament is shot through with with those kinds of arguments those basic assumptions that the physical world, while fallen um, is not it's not evil um, physical uh, it's not the it's not the height of what it means to be human is to just pursue physical pleasures um, but living in a physical world having a physical body is not human i mean, it's not is not uh, wrong. I mean, look at verse 15 where he says, do you not know, nope, um, yeah, 15, do you not know that, verse 14, The God raised the Lord will also raise us up by his power. Well, raised him how? Raised his body. Right? Think about this. Um, I'd heard a sermon about this recently. Um, what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? It does assume that you love yourself. Yep, that there's that we we have a, a level, we have a, some level of self love. But like, what does it actually look like? Like, what is the expectation in in these in this command to love our neighbors as we love ourselves? What? Or I think, how about this? Do you think that when people hear that, what? part of the self do we think about? Our emotions, like like probably our our soul, right? Like there is like, it's this, uh, there's a very spiritualized um, nature to I think the way we assume. What does it mean to love someone as I love myself? I think primarily in terms of probably my emotional self. Right, my my mental self, something like that, but keeping our finger in First Corinthians thirteen, um, <clears throat> check out the, uh, um, the 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 good Samaritan, right? Um, over in uh, somebody help me, I don't have any notes. Luke somewhere. What is it? I know. I should know it. I thought it was Luke 15, but it's not. Uh, 10. That sounds more like it. Yeah, okay. Take two. <laughs> so the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. So we won't read the whole thing, though it's tempting to kill some time. Uh, what what happens, right? So the, the teacher does, the, the, the lawyer comes up to Jesus, his teacher, what shall I do in to ter- inherit eternal life? How do you read the law? He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, with all your strength, and your mind, your neighbor as yourself, and then he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this, and you will live. Um, but desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, so who's my neighbor, right? So he says, love your neighbor as yourself, and then he says, well, who's my neighbor, and then Jesus tells this parable of this Samaritan as an illustration in answer to the question, who's my neighbor? But also, right, he demonstrates, well, this is a man loving his neighbor as himself. Right? And what does he do? He comes upon someone beaten, bloodied, robbed, nearly dead. And he has compassion. He binds up his wounds. He pours on oil and wine. He sets him on his own animal. He takes him him to the inn. And then he gives the the innkeeper some money, tells him to take care of him. He says, I'm going to come back with more money and whatever cost you incur, charge him to my account. So he said, who's the neighbor? The one who showed him mercy. He says, you go and do likewise. So, now think about this. As we think about our physical, so there's a, there is a, a physical, real physical component. Now, loving your neighbor as yourself doesn't only mean caring for, for physical needs, right? But Jesus' example of loving your neighbor as yourself, that was what he went to, was to give an example of a man Caring for someone's physical needs. So, if loving my neighbor as myself is caring for physical needs, um, we need to also think about, well, how important is this? How important is this command to love my neighbor as myself? The second most important command in the Bible, right? On it hangs the entirety of the second law, the, the second table of the law. So back, back to back to First Corinthians. I want to make a uh, maybe a few final points here. So, um, in uh, let's see, verse fifteen. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Like I, as I was, I promise preparing this week, and I came across this like that, like really struck me. It was one of those moments where I thought, "Have I ever read this passage before in my life? Uh, Have I ever read at least this verse before in my life?" Right? Because we. We've seen other places where Paul talks about right you being a member of Christ, right? Member of his body. Right? We sort of talk about you know, that language he sort of over in chapter twelve. He sort of uses that. But here he says, your bodies are members of Christ. Jesus cares uh, tremendously. About the way that we use our bodies. Now, obviously, the the major context here, he's talking about sexual immorality, but it's the the principle is to be applied, you know, in in other areas. That if if sexual immorality is wrong, well, why is it wrong? It's because your body is a member of Christ. It's like uh, Murray in in his book that I you know that I'm using for a lot of this. He he says, uh, imagine that. Somebody, he's, he's talking about the end of, of, of the passage here. But he says, Imagine somebody comes up to you and goes, Hey, uh, would you stop slouching in your seat? I, uh, I don't particularly like the, the way you're treating, treating my body. And you were like, What? And it's like, Oh, and by the way, I, uh, I know what you, what you ate this week. I don't really appreciate the way that you're poorly fueling up my body and you're getting more confused, and he's like, and by the way, you didn't, you didn't even go for a single walk, you know, you're, you're ruining my body, and you're like, oh, hey, man, I, let me stop you there, what do you, why do you keep saying your body, because sure, I'll grant you all those things, but isn't this my body we're talking about, he goes, oh, uh, yeah, two weeks ago, I actually bought your body, I, I bought it, and it's mine, I own it now, now, You know, how would that even work? And we're all but like you imagine like that's what the Lord is saying to us, right? Not two weeks ago didn't buy your body, but he says, You are not your own, so you were bought for you were bought with a price, so glorify God. He didn't just say glorify God, didn't say glorify God with your life, he says, Glorify God what? With your body. Your body is a member of Christ. Christ by his death has bought you owns you, and gets to tell you what to do with it. Now, we're not just owned by Christ by redemption, but we're also owned by Christ how? In creation. He didn't just... So, he's, he's double ownership, right? He made you and then redeemed you. And so, the way that we view... Our bodies, the way we view the bodies of, of other people, right? It's one of the things that's so wrong about sexual immorality is the way that we use the bodies of other people uh, selfishly, use them for our own good despite the harm that it brings upon ourselves and them. And interestingly, what do you, what's, he get at, what's going on here when he says... Uh, Verse 18, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Yeah, and there's a right, there's something very real that happens when just before that you have right, the 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 joining of uh, these two people through the sex act, right? Becoming one flesh now we talk about in marriage the marriage union that there's a one flesh but that very specifically there's referring to a specific part of the marriage union and so when he says uh, you know a man joins himself to a prostitute he becomes one body with her but we were meant to be joined to the Lord right but it's interesting right he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him so there is this interplay this relationship between our bodies and the spirits that our bodies are members of Christ but when I'm joined to the Lord I become one spirit with him I'm united with him in spirit but he also owns my body and when I sin this when I commit you know the if you commit sexual immorality then you're sinning not just against this other person but against your own body in a unique way Right Is sexual sin the worst sin? I don't think that's probably uh the point or that's not what we would argue is that that makes you a worse sinner, but there is something unique about sexual immorality that Paul gets at here, and that's a pretty important word for for many people in our day in our culture that has um you know made Basically, sexual immorality, the, the all-consuming good. Um, so, pivoting in the last few minutes here, as we think about um, how this re- you know relates to the, the, this issue of burnout, um, you know, Jesse was talking about this, but, like, there is nothing inherently holy about... Dis, about a disregard for our bodies. I mean, we've all, you know, I, I think I talked about this last week. i will mentioning it here, right? Many of us have been sick over the last, what feels like two years. Uh, I think it's only been maybe two months, but um, like we, <laughs> sorry, we, we recognize, right, in those moments, the importance of physical health. Now, here's sort of the rub and kind of we'll get into this later, but I think that many people in in sort of in the West, in our culture, maybe our church, I don't know, but I think many of us live with kind of low grade sickness, low grade health, low grade disease, disease, right? And it plagues us, I think, far more than we realize now when we when you catch the flu or bronchitis or whatever you you kind of realize in a very pointed way in those moments the importance of the body but otherwise, I think we just sort of live and and this happens a lot with i think um especially in ministry right with 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 pastors they you know you you're you're sitting so much either because you're studying or because you're counseling or because you're driving, or you know whatever, and uh, and so you end up spending so much time just 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 sitting, and and not just pastors, but for as we our economy moves into a more like knowledge based economy, and not always what can you produce with your hands, uh, we're just you know we're we're sitting all the time, or even if we're moving, it's not it's not like conscious movement, right? Maybe maybe you're at home a lot with the kids, and. Um, that is certainly going to probably be better than, than just sitting in a chair all day long. But but oftentimes, if the, the things that we do aren't, they're not always purposeful. We're just kind of doing things. And so I, I think we, we end up feeling our bodies just sort of feel unused. And what happens, like, what happens if you, like, sl- basically you've let your car just sit in the driveway for, you know, months and months and months on end? Um, not going to work right and so uh, things need to be used according to their design and so our our bodies are meant to be um, used and spent for the Lord and and um, so that we can live effective holy lives before God and and others you know we need to do what we can to be as as healthy as we can and there are problems um, with that in a fallen world for sure but, um striving for it, yeah, and that's right, as members of Christ, like so, what I do with my body is not just between it's not just my thing, it's not just between me and the Lord, but it's between me and the lord and and His people with whom I am joined, and you know, and maybe to kind of close up here, you know, we see this, right that our your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? It's not just that God owns you, right. It's not, this isn't just a real estate investment that he's, he's got uh, houses all over the place that he would never live in, but he owns them and rents them out to other people. The Holy Spirit himself has taken up residence in your body. You house <laughs> God. The God who cannot be contained has made his home, not just with us, but in us. And so, we ought, ought, underlined, capitalized, italicized, emboldened, whatever. We ought to glorify God in our bodies. So, let me in there. um, And... uh, come back next week with notes Uh, let me pray Father thank you for your word thank you for um, sustaining uh, this conversation Um, uh, and uh, I pray helping us to think more biblically more rightly about our bodies and we it's, it's a difficult cultural tide to fight and to push against but uh, we do pray that, that you would help us to do so, to do so faithfully, um, to be guided by your Spirit who indwells us and empowers us for a holy living and um, helps us in, to commune with God himself. Uh, be with us now as we, as we gather for worship. We pray for Russ as he preaches this morning that you would um, bless us. Uh, him and both the preacher and the hearer that you would do a great work among us today that we would be further conformed to the image of Christ that our joy would be full and love overflowing both to you and for one another it's in Jesus name I pray amen